Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Yeah, 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 walk to the street. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool, cute, cool, yeah. Water water to another episode of everyone's business but mine with me Kara Berry how are you doing I hope you're doing well before we get into the episode I just wanted you guys to check out I was a guest on the podcast called what else is going on we had a great long chat about all things Bravo all things housewives it was so much fun so go ahead and check that out it came out on Friday again it's called what else is going on so much fun Um, I was not able to talk about Ellen last week. I feel like I gave you guys enough content. It was like a three hour, it was a great episode, me ranting about Saucy, although I, the Khaleesi's, I think, got wind of the episode and they responded in kind in my reviews. So thank you for that. Thank you for that. Um, but, you know, another great episode. It was really, really fun to talk to Ray Sani of All About Potomac. <sighs> you guys, I'm really upset. I feel like we've been through so much with Potomac with the delay of the latest season. And now that it's been airing, it's been going up against 
Sunday nights up against these like juggernaut ratings of shows with sports and the Emmys and all of that. And the ratings are not really reflecting the greatness of the show. So if you guys, you know, if you're not able to watch it live, maybe just turn your TV on. I don't know how ratings work, but I don't, I don't know if DVR ratings are counted in that. I think that's more of like a 48 hour or 72 hour rating, but I'm sad. I'm sad for my girls and I'm hoping that we're, we're, of course we're getting another season, but I just wish that they were the ratings juggernaut that they deserve to be because I hate to see those flops over in Beverly Hills do like double the ratings. It just makes me very sad, but What was I talking about? Oh, okay. I was not able to talk about Ellen last week and her return to the show and her addressing all the allegations that went on over the summer, but I think now is a good time to do it. So she started off being like kind of jokey, like, oh, did you guys have a great summer? Mine was really great. It was terrific. Ha ha. And then she kind of goes on to say like, As you may have heard, this summer there were allegations of a toxic work environment at our show, and then there was an investigation. I learned that things happened here that never should have happened. I take that very seriously, and I want to say that I'm sorry to the people that were affected. I know that I'm in a position of privilege and power, and with that comes responsibility, and I take responsibility for whatever happens on my show. Um, Then she says, you know, like, she points out her name on the set. She's like, this is my show. This has my name on it. So I should be more responsible for that. You know, it's like, then she kind of addresses the gossip rumors, if you will, about her. And she says, you know, the truth is I am that person that you see on TV I'm also a lot of other things. Sometimes I get sad. I get mad. I get frustrated. I get anxious. I get impatient. And I'm working on all of that. I am a work in progress. And I am especially working on the impatience thing because, uh, I don't know. It's just like, you know, if things aren't going well and if it's not happening fast enough, I will tell you that. So I, mm, you know, like we're in a position where it's like, I don't know, like, people, she wasn't going to win me over with anything she said. And that's just the fact. That's my truth. And I'm sticking to it. I think a lot of her main audience probably didn't really know a lot of what was going on. Probably weren't really, like, digging into it. And they probably mostly heard the allegations about things were happening in the workplace and maybe not so much about Ellen herself. And I'm sure for them, that was enough. To me, the tone of it was kind of a little bit passing the buck and a little bit like, yeah, she did say like, my name's on the show. And so... I don't know, but she didn't, she didn't really say like, I'm going to be working harder on being more involved. It was more just like an investigation happened and my name's on the show and things were happening that I wasn't privy to. But to me, there was no statement of like what she is going to do to be better. She did mention it in terms of like, 
I'm a work in progress and, you know, sometimes I get frustrated and, you know, I'm this whole complete person and I, you know, don't, don't make yourself the be kind lady because that's really basically kind of like painted me in a corner of being this nice person all the time. And sure, I, I'm sure that there are a lot of people who you become a personality and I've talked about this even in like the podcasting space. It's like there are people who are these like personalities where they cater more to what works well with their audience instead of necessarily being authentically themselves for better or worse and whether or not people like it. And I'm, you know, whatever you guys, you know, it's no shade to anybody. I will say that, but I think it makes it very difficult when you do not live up to people's expectations because you've basically created this persona and that isn't who you are completely. And from that and I get it, but a lot of Ellen's shitty behavior allegations are just her being like a bad person. Like there's a difference between like having an off day and not wanting to take a picture or not really wanting to have a conversation with somebody on the street. And another thing where you're allegedly at a restaurant and then calling days later to get a waitress fired because you notice that her nail polish was chipped. Like that is a very intentional shitty thing to do. It's quite another thing when you tell somebody after their dog dies, like, are you going to get it together or do you need to take a Xanax and calm down because I have a job to do? You know, the things that she has been accused from that I've seen are all very like, this is not a moment. This is like intentionally bad behavior, you know? This isn't like, maybe I snapped at somebody because they got my coffee order wrong. And even that I would say was pretty shitty. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, she clearly is going to move on from this and like people are going to forget. And also like the DJ, I guess his name is Twitch is now an executive producer which I don't really know what that solves other than like, it feels very diversity higher for me. Like, Oh look, these black people on the, in that were working for me are upset, but don't be mad at me because I hired the black guy and he's going to make everything. Okay. I don't like that. And I hope that there were conversations because do you guys remember that guy, Tony, he used to be the DJ and he was, um, English he even said like yeah and he didn't go into details but he basically corroborated all those people's claims that it was like a toxic work environment and so you know far be it for me from letting like a black person advance in their career but I just hope that like there were intentional discussions being had about what his role is and what that means Because if it's just like, oh, I'm going to hire a black guy and he can take care of all the black people, then like that doesn't really solve anything. 
It doesn't make anything better. And it doesn't mean you've learned a thing. It just means that you've, again, passed the buck on to your producers. So, I don't know. I don't know. How do we feel? I don't know. Another thing, you guys, I have not mentioned this on the show, but y'all, 16 and Recovering is, was a four-part series on MTV. It just ended Tuesday. Incredible. That is an incredible show. So if you guys were, like, hesitating on watching that, I talked about it a little bit, a little bit with Liz Bentley and Feathers in My Hair. It is compelling. It is heart-wrenching. It taught me so much. I do have some questions. But the crux of the show is that it is a school in Boston called North Shore Recovery High School. And it has about 75 students. And they're all in different stages of recovery. And they... Basically, the school is kind of like... Yes, obviously it's a educational center but it's also so much more to these kids and the teachers are highly involved in the students and their success and their sobriety and they don't because okay when I came into it when I was watching the commercials I'm like okay this will be maybe interesting maybe it's going to be about like all of these kids are kind of in recovery in active recovery and it's like kind of how they cope and they've got the safe space to be these kids work on their sobriety everybody's sober and that isn't the case at all it's like very real very raw the kids you know will relapse they do drug tests they go to school high they but it's like in a very to me, not, um, exploitive, exploitive, why can't I say that word? You know, it doesn't exploit the kids to me. Um, I thought it was very, very compelling. It really, like, as much as I try to be open-minded to people, especially in the past few years about recovery and reframing what all that looks like. I've obviously been around people on drugs, but I've never really been around people who have a trouble, have trouble with addiction, who, who deal with it. And it really was very enlightening. The kids are like just these incredibly smart, kind kids who are just like, you know, they have to deal with shit and it's really sad and it's like a physical thing. And it talks a lot about how like, like when you're so young and your frontal lobe isn't fully developed, it's like all of you, all you do is try to, um, seek out pleasure and you're compulsive and you don't, think about the consequences of things and how scary that must be. And you see how these kids just feel like they feel like powerless to what is going on within them. 
when they're dealing, when they're struggling with their addiction and how powerful they feel when they really take a hold of it. And I, I like how the teachers and the staff don't punish them. I do really have questions about like, God, it must be so hard to be in that because I believe all the teachers are in active recovery. They're all sober. So they have an understanding, but I just wonder, like, it just seems like something that I know I couldn't do. I couldn't be a regular teacher. I don't know how you guys do it, but to be so actively involved in these children's lives and they have your phone number and they're calling you at night and you're finding out that some of them have passed away and they're in jail and you're trying to get them to rehab. And then they're just also close to each other. They're like physically touching and hugging and cuddling up with each other. And it just seems like something that you would get burnt out on so quickly, not because you're tired of them, but just because it's so, you're so involved in these children's lives and you're so invested in them. I don't know how they do it. I don't know how the principal, especially when she's like, Oh, you see your kid come in. One of your students come in and they're like on several and they've taken so many pills and you're like having to talk to them rationally when they're not in their rational, normally functioning mind and explain to them, like, we need to, I have to call your parents. We're going to have to get you to a detox. I'm going to have to get you to rehab. What are we in? Like not shaming them and telling them like things are fine. There are going to be consequences, but we're not going to kick you out of school. But it's like we're going to figure out a different path for you. Ugh, I don't know. It, it just seems so. Ugh, I don't know how they do it, but again, totally, totally recommend it. It is incredible television. It is almost at like a caliber of like an HBO or Netflix documentary docu-series really above board <laughs> for MTV I'm not gonna lie but yeah I if you guys can handle it if it's not triggering for you if you want to learn more about addiction I think it's one of the greatest things I've ever seen truthfully definitely one of the greatest new programs that I've watched on television this year and I wonder if they're going to keep continuing on or if it's just going to be an offshoot because this was actually filmed, I believe, like 18, the kids graduate at the end of last year, 2019. So I don't know. I don't know. I hope they do. But then it's also like, gosh, I would really like to know how they deal this would be like one of the few things that like in COVID times, how are the teachers dealing? How are the students coping with so much more freedom? Because even they were talking about like, gosh, even when we go on like a holiday break, like a Thanksgiving break, it, it's so hard. Or even a three or four day weekend, it's so hard for these kids to just remain sober because their support system is gone. Even for those two extra days. 
And another thing that I want to know is how the kids cope because there's so much involvement with the students and the, or the teachers and the staff. How do they cope outside? Like after they graduate, I just wonder, like, that was the thing that I was wondering, like, because the teachers are so involved and because they don't have the safe space at the school after they graduate, how do they really cope? I mean, like, it's kind of like being in rehab and then you're just like out in the free world. You can't go back to school because you don't go there. And eventually, like, yeah, you can maintain a relationship, but they can't be nearly as involved with you as when you were enrolled. Mm. Makes me very sad. Um, what else? What else? Oh my gosh, you guys. <laughs> On a very much lighter note, I... <laughs> Troy McKeady of Dunzo Podcast turned me on to this movie called Sleepaway Camp. It's like a 1980s horror slasher movie. Y'all, what the hell? If you guys haven't watched it, I recommend it. I... (laughs) That was the wildest shit I've ever seen in my life. What the hell? (laughs) What the hell? And it just keeps escalating. Like, it's not scary. Nothing about it. I mean, it is a B-movie, camp movie. Like, if you have nothing to do at night, pour yourself a glass of wine, maybe have an edible, and just, like, roll that beautiful bean footage. I... I can't believe it. I just watched it last night and I still cannot believe what I watched. And the ending. Troy was like, record your reaction to the ending. And I honestly thought there were maybe like 15 minutes till the end. I'm like, oh, maybe this is what he's talking about. No, maybe this is what he's talking about. No, maybe it's this. And then I got to the very end and I was like, Troy, what the hell? What the fuck was that? <laughs> so if you guys need a good laugh, wow. That's that's the one. That's the one to watch. All right, y'all. <laughs> Let's move so on. there's a story that's been coming out. I don't think I've ever talked about this person before, but now I feel like I have to because this has gotten, um, this is a weird for me. I'm uncomfortable. I'm unsoothed. I'm going to have to like take a nap, a stress nap after this, but it's all the makings of something that I want to talk about. It's awkward, messy, dramatic, Ooh, grand opening, grand closing of a relationship. I am talking about Demi Lovato and her ex question mark, Beyonce Max. Uh, so they announced that they were dating in March. They decided to quickly quarantine together, move in together, super hot, accelerated relationship. Demi actually just talked about this a couple weeks ago about how, you know, like we made the decision to quarantine together and that can really make or break a relationship for us. It really made it. I'm so in love. I'm over the moon. Two weeks later. They announce, she announces their breakup. 
So about two months ago, they decided to get engaged. And Max is a Young and the Restless actor. And I think he was on a movie on Netflix, some kind of like cowboy movie, something that I will never, ever see. Um, The Ring was on Yikes for me. It's one of those like knuckle to knuckle diamonds, like big ass Kim Zodiac beer can kind of diamond huge I don't really know what a a soap actor makes I was always under the impression that in terms of like regular working actors they were pretty much on the bottom tier in terms of salary so when I saw that ring I thought this feels very Paris Hilton shades of Paris if you will We all know that Paris has a history of dating and getting engaged to guys who, when we find out how much the ring costs, you're like, girl, I know that man did not pay for that ring. (laughs) I know that in terms of paying for the ring, it's probably like, she picked it out, she gave him a credit card, and she let him go to the store and pick it up. (laughs) That kind of vibe, right? So, gushing, gushing Instagram announcements from both of them about how they're just so lucky in love. Whatever. Two weeks ago, Demi announces that they break up, they've broken up, and Max is handling it really well, I would say. Just kidding. Not well at all, bitch. Not well at all. So this weekend, things have really ramped up. Max stuck to Instagram stories and was popping off. He was being real weird. Real weird. He deleted a bunch of them. Obviously, of course, it's past the 24-hour thing now. But you know what? The internet is forever. And thank God for everybody getting the screenshots. So I think it's also worth mentioning before I get into these Instagram stories that there have been some tweets circulating around from Max in which like over the years he had been talking about um, Selena Gomez and just like weird, weird stuff, right? So here's what these tweets said. There was one where he was talking about, like, who he wanted to, which actress he would want to be paired with in a romantic comedy movie. His quote was, Selena, I want to work with her so bad. Um, Oh, he was also part of the Pregnancy Pact movie. She's so funny, and I think her comedic timing and everything is so fantastic. I just heard her song the other day, and she's so talented. She's a great singer also. I'd love to sing with her. I'd love to act with her. She's awesome. Um, That was from an article he tweeted in September of 2018. uh, Quote tweeted a picture of Selena, which had like the hard-eyed emojis and the like eyes squeezed tight with the tongue out emoji. Um, He did another tweet in which... Some guy named Ryan Garcia said, when I win this fight, will Selena marry me? Probably not, but gives me more motivation. He quote tweeted that again in September of 2018 saying, you'd have to fight me first. There was another tweet that said, ha ha ha, 
Selena Gomez and Demi are cute together, but boy, if you think Demi is cute, prettier, you're wrong. Then he tweeted in 2015, there's a female singer that screams so much. That's why my girl S is better than you know who. Crying, laughing emoji. Obviously about Demi, she came out and said that she had, the, the tweets were doctored and fake and how dare everybody say shit like this and aren't you guys focusing, like, why can't you focus on the real issues? It's 2020. There are so many other things that we could be talking about and you guys want to pit two women together. Y'all know that, like, Demi and Selena have a very, like, hot and cold friendship with one another. And as of now, they're not friends. So she came in defense of him, but that didn't last very long. So when they broke up this weekend, he wrote on Instagram stories, I was on the set of my new movie, Southern Gospel, in all caps, with crew and cast members right next to me, who literally watched me open my phone, where I then opened a tabloid. This is a God's honest truth of how I found out about the ending of my engagement and have people from my film who saw the whole thing go down and helped me get back into character to continue my job. I had a cast and crew with families relying on me to do my job. That being said, please end this narrative and focus on more other, other more important issues in the world. I love and forgive everyone involved. <laughs> who else would be involved except for Demi? <laughs> okay. Let us be. Let us heal. God bless. So then. <laughs> he he um, posts again. I entered the acting industry when I was 15 because I've been in theater since the age of four with a huge relentless passion for, for the craft of acting and music. Hence why I have had the honor of receiving four nominations from the Emmy Academy on a Spielberg and on a Spielberg series. They were daytime Emmys, Max. We all know the difference, okay? Anyway, I finally am starring in a film that has great morals. I'm not interested in attention. I'm interested in doing my art. Please leave me be and let me focus on my film. Six exclamation marks. Um... Hand over the head emoji. God bless. <laughs> then, after he says, leave me alone, he does another one that says, the caption, leave me alone. And then shows what is clearly like him texting to Demi. Said, to find out over the internet was beyond anything I could have ever imagined a person could do to another human. Homegirl is pressed. He then had some more Instagram stories, and let me find those. Okay, so now he's saying, like, to this moment, we haven't spoken over the phone. We haven't even officially ended anything to each other, literally. I'm here in real time with y'all. I love Demetria and just want her to be healthy and safe. Oh, Lord. Then he posts screenshots of music that Demi has recorded says if you're reading this i love you always unconditionally no matter what then he went on facebook to plead to demi and said forgive me and come back to me please (laughs) oh my god it is weird 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 basically the reason that is being reported for their breakup is that 
he got a bunch of clout. Max got a bunch of clout for being engaged to her. And then she basically like couldn't handle it. Not couldn't handle it. I, I wouldn't say that's fair, but he, she like just wasn't into it. It got to his na- his head and yeah, that's what happened. She just like was over it basically. Y'all this, Oh Lord. I, I can't, I can't. <laughs> this is weird. This is why, <sighs> I don't really, I don't have an excuse for Demi. I really don't. I root for her. I love that song. Sorry. That was a bop. And I wish her the best on her journey, but like maybe Demi needs to be single. I've never really kept up with her relationships, but I know she's been in a series of relationships over her, the course of her adult life. And I would just, you know, take time to reflect, know yourself, love yourself, you know, listen to the lyrics of the songs that you write, really just be alone and enjoy that. But until then, I'm sure by the time you guys hear this, Max is probably taken to some other um, social media app. Who knows? We might. If anybody can find Max's Tumblr, I'm sure it'll be on there. If he's got a live journal, you know, <laughs> keep your eyes peeled. Um, and with that, uh, the rest of the episode is going to be a recap of the latest episode of Atomic with my friend Chai. Y'all, that episode was a lot. A lot. And again, I plead with you. Spread the gospel of Real Housewives of Potomac. They need it. They deserve it. They're doing the work. They're doing the heavy lifting. And I cannot take the ratings that do not reflect the greatness of this show. So if you guys haven't watched, it's on uh, Hulu or Peacock, I think. And check it out, y'all. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. Love you. Bye. Get the hood rat ass bitch Stop. out of here. What happened? The whole building is shaking. What the f- just happened? Is my wig on? Yeah, no. yeah, you're you're no, on. But... The hood rat came out. Okay. Where's Monique? She asked for it. You keep talking. You literally want somebody to hit you, so that's what happened. Was it wine on my face? hey y'all oh my god the moment that we've all been waiting for the wig shift heard around the world has arrived we have seen it both me and my esteemed guest have been watching the tape of this fight like football coaches do after a game it was incredible join with me today to talk about the latest episode of real housewives of potomac is my dear friend chai how are you hey i'm doing great so excited to talk about this oh girl girl a mess (laughs) a hot mess but before we get into this i made 
I made you watch this clip of Watch What Happens Live last night, and the guest was one Wendy Williams. First of all, what are your thoughts on Wendy? Are you a fan? Okay, so I think she's really problematic, but I just, I spent so much of my life growing up watching, like, I taped every single episode watching Wendy Williams. Like, it's the only news that I watched growing up. Mm-hmm. But I, I do find her to be really problematic, and I hate her opinions on everything. <laughs> I I use her as an example a lot to talk about, like, the difference between podcasters, where, like, Wendy is kind of like, she's a personality, and it takes, you know, a certain kind of person to pick up what she's putting down. Whereas, like, Ellen, to me, is just, like, a complete fake bitch. And Mm -hmm. even though Wendy, like you said, is very problematic, you know what you're getting with her. And I will take that any day over an Ellen DeGeneres. I think it's harder. I think that's the distinction. Yeah. Because I always wonder, I'm like, why do I keep watching Wendy? I don't agree with anything she ever says. (laughs) Right. But you know what you're going to get usually. She will put a real okie doke there sometimes, but <sighs> wow. You always is... know she's going to be like really homophobic. Yeah. And there's going to be like slight hints of anti blackness sprinkled in whatever she says, but yeah. It's entertaining. But you know, like the Wendy that, like if you were to see Wendy on the street, that's who you were getting on the show. Like there's no bones about it. I believe that. Um, so she was on Watch What Happens Live, and they, she, Andy asked her what her feelings were about Nini and Nini no longer being or no longer filming for season thirteen. Now I thought when Nini announced it, she was very intentional on saying like I'm not going to be filming season thirteen, not like I'm off the show completely. Right. Um, but so Andy asked what she thought. And she was like, you know, I don't think Nini is a legend in the Housewives game, but she's not like a Bethany. Bethany has taken every opportunity and turned it into gold. And Nini is not that way. Am I interested in watching her? Nini goes to Hollywood. No, boring. Am I? Do I want to watch Nini and her grandkids and her kids? No, boring. Do I want to watch Nini and Greg, a spinoff? No, I don't. Um, she basically just said that, like, I don't really know what Nini's going to do off the show. I don't count her coins, but she, you know, you use the show as an opportunity, as a launching pad for other things. And she hasn't been able to do that in the way that Bethany does. Like, basically, Nini needs a show more than the show needs her. What were your, what's your opinion on that? Well, first of all, I have a question. Does, does Wendy like Nini? Because I know she starts everything, every time she's said anything about Nini, it has not been, like, the most, like, flattering take, right? Like, but she starts it off with being, like, she's my friend, but, like, I don't think she's ever had anything nice to say with, about her. So I'm very confused on where their friendship stands. She, go ahead. yeah, she said on the show, she made it pretty clear, like, I don't know Nini, I know Lanifia, my relationship is not with the Nini on the show, it's with a different person. And, but she also said later on, like, I've never been down to Atlanta. Nini likes to travel. She comes up to New York a lot. And I mm-hmm. see her when I have time to see her. 
and I don't when I don't. So to me, it sounds like they roll in similar circles and Nini just lets her know when she's in town and when they can hang out, they can hang out, which to me is like, could be a friendship. And obviously like they both said that they've spoken to each other when they are going through whatever issues they're going through, but it doesn't seem like they're, it's that deep. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Knowing Nini, I see why she was mad by why what Wendy said made her upset. Just because like Nini wants you to believe that Ryan Murphy is still calling her. Right. That she's still in high, high, high demand. So the idea of saying, like, I mean, what is she going to do for money? Like, Wendy knew that that would have should have known that would upset Nene. Was Wendy wrong? Absolutely not. Like, it's, nobody's no. trying to watch a spin off of Nene. Nobody. Nobody. Okay. So what happened is that obviously Nene got wind of what Wendy said and what Andy said. She popped the fuck off on Twitter. She was talking about how they are always manipulating black women to say negative things about each other on Watch What Happens Live. She brought up Breonna Taylor, which I thought was completely out of pocket. She, But that's very on brand for Nene. Completely. It's compl- like, she, this is not the first time she's brought up any sort of Black Lives Matter hot button in order to talk about how she's no longer on the Housewives. Which she is said they so- had her like George Floyd on the reunion. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my God. Then she said um, she's retweeting a lot of people that are in support of her, which is, you know, also no surprise. Um, She said in reference to Andy, keep trying me, sir. I'm going to let the world know who you really are. I will always eat and eat good. Believe that. I have always believed in multiple strings of income, so the leaks are good. You old cocaine head and you old racist. No one knew you until you knew me. Remember, I'm an icon. Don't forget. She calls. She says about Wendy, she's on cocaine, so they should stop using her to talk. They both need my help with their poor ratings. Um, uh, this racist, in reference to Andy, is a master manipulator. They're using me for ratings like they've always done. And this was like a Kanye-level tweet rant. It's so embarrassing. It's also like, what did Andy do? Like, okay, so did you watch the whole Watch What Happens Live? Was there a part where he did any of that? 
Because to me in that clip, like with Wendy, he almost seemed like uncomfortable. And he was very much like, no, they're calling her. I bet you she's 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 gonna be able to get other jobs. I think he was very supportive of Nini. I agree. He yeah, he said like she's never the the phone's always ringing for her. She's always got opportunities. She does just fine off the show. And Wendy even kind of like walked it back a little being like, yeah, you're right. She has said that before. And I, I mean, we all know what watch what happens live is. He's going to ask you the shady questions. You just announced that you were off the show. So of course he's going to ask the famous person that's on his show who is connected to Nini which, the they only think. Bravo connection that Wendy has. Right. <laughs> like, I don't think it's racist to just simply ask how you feel about it. Like, she made the choice to be off the show. Right? <laughs> like, well, I mean, what are you... It would have been a glaring omission to not ask Wendy what she thinks. It's Wendy's job to talk about these things. So even if Andy didn't ask her, she probably would have said it on the show. And I understand, like, Nini is a classic hit dog will holler ass bitch. Like, Mm -hmm. she never just plays it cool. Anytime anybody says anything negative about it, she takes it to 11. She was asking for people, for references, for discrimination attorneys because of Andy. Like, girl, come on. It's just also, like... (sighs) Do you think she's able to ever work on Bravo again after this rant? Like she's yeah. gone off on Andy before, but I feel like he, this is this was far. Like she took it really far with this one. Really too far. Called Andy racist twice. Was trying to sue him. I don't. I mean, okay. She well, put you, his cocaine business out there. Like, <laughs> what was she thinking? You're, and I'm gonna tell the truth about Andy. Like, wh- where do you go from there? He How- also put out such a nice statement after she like it. Yeah. She announced that she was leaving. Like, so supportive. I think that is so. Ooh, it's like it's it, embarrassing. Embarrassing. You can't come back from that. And why? Why? <laughs> Why? <laughs> I just need to know why. Why she would say all of that. All of that. I will I say- to, like Nini's one of those people where like she was not able to separate Andy from Wendy in that space. Like, fine, be mad at Wendy. But the idea that like she couldn't recognize that he was being supportive, like he's not allowed to have people on his show talk bad about you at all. Right. He can't control that. He asked the question and it wasn't even a shady question. And when Wendy said, you know what, Nini likes the attention and she's been on and off the show multiple times and she does enjoy the drama, it's like, okay, well, you just confirmed that sevenfold with your whole tweet tweet spiel. So was she wrong? Like you just proved everything that she said. So who are you I mean, mad about? Who are you mad at? Uh, it's, it is it is so wild. Other things that she mentioned on Watch What Happens that has to do with Potomac, she says that Karen is too good for the housewives. And Ooh, that's an interesting take. Why'd she say that? Andy made the face, too. Like, really? <laughs> Why do you... Th- she said multiple people were too good for the show. I think she said that about Bethany, too. 
Um, she said that about, oh, who are they going to, they were talking about bringing somebody on the show. He kind of like cheekily was like, do you want to be on New York? And she was like, Andy, please. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of who she's, I can't remember, but. Um, the Karen is a, that is a hot take. She said that like Karen's a woman of a certain age and I guess she kind of lives her life in a certain way. And then I guess maybe she's talking more about age because a lot of the women are much younger on the cast. And that that I can see. Yeah. I don't know if that makes her too good, but it does make her different. But I think Karen fits in with the rest of the cast pretty well. Just fine. Just fine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Karen is also my favorite on Potomac, so like, right? She's a. I mean, what would we do without the grand dame? Like, what? I'd like to see less of her marriage. I feel like yeah. that might be a little. Um, I just don't want to see her husband. I think on the Housewives, I feel like he's too old for the situation. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. She also said that the show ruined Karen and Ray's relationship. And that they're responsible for it. <laughs> Bravo's responsible. She says that she absolutely does not believe Michael. But on the other hand, she's like, I don't really know where Ashley's going to get her money from. Right. So I can see why she stays. Um, she is anti-T'Challa. So okay. she's scared of birds and they make a lot of noise. <laughs> and that, that was basically her opinions on on Potomac. Oh, I I really hate to see like Nini go out like this. Like, we all have space in our hearts for Nini. First season, like when she's just like light and bright and shady and funny towards people, I think Nini is for sure like one of the best like top three housewives. When she's just good, but when she goes into this angry thing, it's like, ugh, she's more of the. Worst. I think it's her ego just like took her down. Completely. And it's tragic because Nini is genuinely the funniest. Like, quippy, she's quick. Like, right. It sucks to see because she just turned, she's gotten so bitter and negative and it's, it's sad. It's really sad. And I, I know in my heart that there's something going on behind the scenes. Like, we know that there have been stuff with Greg cheating and, I think there were some things that they kind of alluded to, I want to say two seasons ago in the preview for that season. And there were hints at her having a substance abuse issue, but they never aired it on the actual season. But I remember, but yeah, I remember the like her looking zooted on like on the ground and Somebody said something, but they never aired it on the show. I mean, that would make sense for the rage. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. But I guess that's the end of Nini on Housewives. <laughs> I can't imagine her coming back from this. And they've forgiven her for a lot. Because she's done these little stupid rants on here. And, like, they've still let her back on the show. Beat up a producer. Knocked out his tooth. But this is this has got to be the last straw. I mean... The you should have just sat there and ate your food award goes to Nene Nene Leaks this week, like for real. (sighs) But let's move on. I could have seen them giving her like her own show, like a talk show type thing, maybe like 
Yeah. I don't think that like Bravo was ready to totally divest from her. Yeah, I agree. Even like a web series. I mean, they gave mm-hmm. who's her teeth over in Orange County a web series with the glitter, Lydia. Right. And they could do something. They could have done something with Nini for sure. Damn. Like, how do you just let a million dollars a season? You just threw that shit away. Fumbled just, the bag. Like, <laughs> set it on fire. Toss it. Oh, I can't believe it. Um, what else was I think that's it. Uh, so let's move on to Potomac. Yes. Mm. Oh my god. <sighs> we have not had a wig pull like this since like season two of Atlanta where Sheree shifted Kim's Party City wig. <laughs> Iconic. <laughs> I like Michael Lohan in the background. I just shifted it a little. Oh, can't believe it. So we start off with a split screen that we left off with last episode of Monique kind of flipping the ends of Candace's hair. And Candace is like, drag me, drag me. Monique is like, do you want me to? Drag me, do you want me to? And then she gets a good grip on like a whole bundle of hair. And would not let go. Wouldn't let go. Like she had hair with the right hand, bop, bop, bopping her on the head as much as she could with the left hand. A few seconds in, Candace throws a glass of wine or it shifts because she's being jiggled. Um, And that's going to be important for later. So six members, six people in production, as well as the entire cast, (laughs) would step in to try and stop Monique. And honestly, like, I didn't think they were going to show any of this. I One, I thought Candace would have gotten, like, one lick in. I thought this was more of a mutual fight. No, she didn't get not a one. Not one. I don't even think the glass connected. Like, nothing. No. She didn't get anything in. Dog, I had time. Like, that fight, that not even a fight, that hair pull. Like, I had time to go to the bathroom. I had time to do like a meditation and a prayer. I took a nap. I did a 5K. Like that would lasted longer than like, like the first set of producers came in, then they called for the backup set of producers to come in. <laughs> oh my God. This was longer than like a line of Coke that Jack snorts. Like this lasted so long. I could not believe like I had time to really take it in. And figure out what was happening. Unbelievable footage. I do not think I've seen a fight like that on TV since Bad Girls Club. Right. And I've never seen a fight with adult women. Women above 30. (laughs) Right. I mean, just people like... Monique was just... Like, everybody was like, let her go. Like, please let her go. Can you let her go? Monique, let her go. Please. And Monique is like... Like, she can't hear anything. She The lights were out. And she just had, like, a gorilla grip on, on her hair. I could not believe it. And <sighs> her face, though, as she was doing it. Like, on some serial killer shit. Like, no emotion. At all. Like, it wasn't like she was grimacing or there was any, like, it was just... I'm pulling. Like, when she said she blacked out in the... 
on the way back in the limo, I was like, that I believe. Yeah. <laughs> because I, it, literally no emotion was registering on her face whatsoever. None. I don't see how you have so many people trying to pull you away and you're just like so committed to like holding on to that girl's hair and hitting her. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. Finally, they're able to separate her and Wendy starts screaming. Like I've never heard anybody scream on the show before, which took me out. She was like screeching and there. I was making the exact same sounds watching it at home. <laughs> I related. <laughs> One member of production takes Monique downstairs. We see like grape tomatoes and pieces of broccoli on the ground, broken glass, candles, a charcuterie board, pieces of cheese. <sighs> then we remember that Ashley was in the bathroom this whole time. She comes running out in her cape and is like, What the fuck just happened? The whole building was shaking. Her face uh, just, like, create, like had no idea what was happening. How did it take Ashley that long to get out of the bathroom? I don't Do know, but she... imagine, like, missing all of that. Like, what an That's inopportune time to go to the bathroom. I would have been so mad. <laughs> A lot of people are saying that Ashley kind of was the instigator of all this, but I don't know if I really believe that. Me neither. I've even what? seen people blaming Robin. I don't see that either. I I don't either. Like, Ashley simply asked if they were okay. And I don't think that is instigating a fight at all. I also don't subscribe to the Candace provoked Monique um, I, argument either. I agree. I think Candace is shady, like she always is, but like I told Ray last week, it's like, we have to kind of meet people where they are, even if it's not fair. And it's like, Monique, everybody knows how Candace is. So you can make the choice to escalate that or just be like, you're being stupid and shady. And she escalated it. And that was the choice that she made. Like, Kenya with the bullhorn in Portia's face, that is provoking. Yes. Right? And, like, Portia connected with Kenya and was very easily able, they were able to separate them. Right. What Monique did, it just, it, saying drag me, drag me, drag me does not justify dragging someone like that. That's not a threat to tell somebody else to start fighting you. Like, <laughs> that's not how that works. Not in and the then she's still trying to pretend, till now, still trying to say that she didn't pull her hair till the glass was thrown, which is a lie. A lie. A lie. Um, so, Monique tells James, a producer, that we saw with last week with Ashley and Michael. The blonde guy. She says, Candace kept talking and she asked for it. And James says, realizes like, oh, your lip is bleeding. <sighs> Monique's got Pinot Grigio or whatever all over her face. Karen right. is trying to take Candace away from the cameras. And this was like a full circle moment to when 
Karen's wig shifted at Chris's barbecue, and she just couldn't find the part. And Candace was trying <laughs> to help her so hard. <laughs> uh, that barbecue with no napkins. Um, Monique says that she was baited, and that she didn't know what happened after that. Which, like we said, we believe. So then Karen tells all the other girls, like, it wasn't the right time to be starting all this. And Robin, she tells Robin not to throw Monique under the bus. Which I thought was interesting. Um, then Monique is trying to get back upstairs. But James is, like, blocking the door as she's trying to open it. Karen goes downstairs to try and open that door. But James keeps blocking it. Like, I'm not even going to give Monique an inch of an open door because she will run right through you <laughs> and go back upstairs. And Which is like, how did he know that about her? Because I was really surprised that she was like, had not calmed down yet. Yeah. I mean, I think that was it. Is that like, she was still on 20 and he was like, I'm not, I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Um, Candace starts yelling that Monique is a ghetto-ass, hood-ass bitch who doesn't know how to act. Which I, I could have done without that. Yeah, I, I could have, too. Then Monique tries to, keeps trying to get out the door, and Candace says, it says that Candace has been asking for it this last year. So, Monique has just been saying on ready since she gave birth to little Chase, and was like, I'm gonna get her. And I just think there was nothing... Candace could have done. I think this was like an inevitability. Mm-hmm. She really wanted to put hands on her, and it was going to be. It was a matter of time. Exactly. So I don't know where James goes, but Candace or Monique ends up going downstairs to like the uh, another exit out of the building. <laughs> Production ushers Candace into a car, and she's like, well, "Why am I the one who's after leaving? We're like, well, we're trying to keep you safe." So she's in a town car. Or a, whatever, a, whatever, Lincoln or... And by that hat. point, her hair is... She has her hat on and her hair looks fabulous again. Like somebody had ran a couple curls back through it again. <laughs> Karen really, really helped a sister out with that. Monique comes out of the shadows like a linebacker, just running, running. She was watching Chris at that football training camps. <laughs> Taking notes. Like a clean run with those boot heels on. Like like one of the, like one of the people in Get Out. Just like you remember that, that guy from Get Out who just like ran. Yes. Just, <laughs> um then Monique says how, like how are you still mad? Like, there was no point where she was just like, wow, I did too much. Like, after all that, like, people have now separated you. Like, what? at no point were you feeling like, damn, I did too much. Like, gotta calm down. I shouldn't have let that come. Like, no point. She was like, I'm still ready to go back to fighting. Right. No introspection whatsoever. She's like, this is the kind of fight I would be like if somebody said something about my mom. Like... I'm going to beat your ass <laughs> and there's no way around it. And I'm going to connect. And that is it. Like this was not that deep for her. Can't, what was Candace doing? Twirling. She was twirling and, and all sorts of things. Like this was not that deep at all. Thank it, God. it made no sense where I'm like, is there something that we don't know? 
There has to be. It must really like the. This makes me feel like okay. So you definitely you you were fucking the trainer. I mean, even if you weren't, now people are gonna believe it. Now people are gonna believe that because how could it possibly be so deep as like, okay, she made friends with Sharice when you guys were on a shaky ground. Okay. And I'm like, you made friends with Ashley when she was on shaky ground with Ashley. Right. Like, I just, I don't understand. I don't get it. I really don't get it. Production once has to play, like, Red Rover with Monique and try to block her from getting at Candace again, even though she's in the car. She says, I'm going to kill her if they bring her around me again. And she was asking for it, so I gave it to her. Were you also of the opinion that Candace, like, before the season, were you also, like, kind of Teen Monique? Like, yeah, put hands on her, because I was. Yes. <laughs> Until I saw it, I was like, oh, oh. And I also, like, I thought that, like, the way this fight was going to go down, that I was going to have totally different opinions about it. Mm-hmm. Because I just, I don't care for Candace at all. Yeah. And I've always liked Monique. Like, I just thought that Candace was gonna do something that to provoke her. Had she maybe been waving the glass in her face, had gotten close to, closer to her, like I just, it was the fact that she reached across the table to grab her hair when all all Candace was doing was talking. Right, talking and twirling. That's all she was doing. <sighs> oh my God! So then Candace is in the car. She calls Chris, and she says. I'm embarrassed and hurt. This is the first time that Candace has cried that actually made sense. (laughs) (laughs) And and not a a napkin to be found, the poor thing. Um, She says she's hurt that Monique would go at her so hard when she's like, I'm like a real friend of her. And the way she said it was like, we were friends off camera. And she's like, I'm hurt. And she says, I'll talk shit all day long, but I'm not going to put my hands on people. And, you know, there's enough black women getting into it on TV, and I was not going to be doing this hood rat shit. This is the narrative I'm not excited about. I'm not excited to see how this fight has not taken black women back several years. Like, I just don't want to hear that. I I agree. Monique and Candace had a fight. It says absolutely nothing about me. And and it shouldn't. And Wendy said something, too, that I was like, ugh. Okay, <laughs> we have to do this. Um, so then Ashley, the rest of the women are in the barn. And Ashley tells Monique, like, oh, Candace is always talking shit. And she doesn't understand why people get pissed off at her, which is, like, fair. But there's a difference between pissed off and fighting them. A distinct difference. And Robin says, you know, she says I blame her all the way, but I didn't know if she was referring to Monique or Candace. I assume. Oh she no, was- she was she was referring to Monique. Okay. Um. So then Monique tells Ashley, like, I only put hands on her because Candace threw a glass, which is the same thing that she later tells her Chris, which is not true. Mm-hmm. Um. So when she gets in the car, she calls Chris, and Chris seems completely disinterested. And he says that it's embarrassing. And, and she then, asked for who? <laughs> right. For you. It is, girl, for you. It is embarrassing for you. Right. And Monique's like, I don't care. And she said, 
Candace needs to understand that the hood is going to come out of her. I did you think that Chris just didn't care, or do you think that like he was pissed but knew he was being recorded? Um, I think that like Chris is used to this for Monique. Mm-hmm. You go to like the way that Monique handled this fight and it's continued. Like there's. I get into like a little bit of a rah-rah with someone like just loudly and the shame that comes with that, even if I'm totally in the right, you know, mm-hmm. and I feel like Chris has to be so like Monique is a seasoned fighter. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm sure like she's fought people in her family. She's out here tussling all the time. Like I think that Monique just does this and he was just like, girl, you did it on TV this time. That's how I felt he took it. He was like, this isn't good image-wise. He's like, well, I don't care about my image. Right. Monique is like a mob wife. She's like Drita out here in these streets. Like, damn. Ready to throw hands. So our first post-fight scene is with Wendy. So she's getting ready to go on TV. And she says, every day I go on the news and I speak up for the people who weren't given a seat at the table um, and a chance to see that they can have that but now, because of what happened, it's like, people are now like, we'll see you, that's why we don't give them a seat at the table. And I just... Again. Ugh. I, I hated that, because... Monique we, and Candace like, had a fight, right? Right. Me as a black woman at home, this has nothing to do with me, I'm at home. Right. And the idea that we keep pr- saying, like, you're perpetuating the stereotype by bringing it up it, when right. two white women have a fight nobody's like well this just makes us look so bad they're like no this makes the two women that had the fight look bad right and it's like a conversation it's a family conversation not a conversation that needs to be had on national television right and and i it made me uncomfortable to because then it's like yeah you're giving people entree to be like oh I just, you're right. Like, I don't want us to see each other like that and open that up to other people seeing us like that. Like, it's not fair. I am not Monique. I'm not her hand. And I just, I don't, I'm not in this conversation. I would very much like to be. (laughs) Leave me out of it. Stop bringing up black women. Okay. I, I am all the way in Houston sitting here watching this from home. I had nothing to do with this fight. (laughs) Don't tell me this says anything about me. Right. Right. And (sighs) that's the narrative we're going to hear for the rest of the season. Yes. Very much like that. Monique has now set black women back 400 years. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So then we get Giselle at her $900,000 teardown. And... (laughs) She's helping the girls get packed for Atlanta to prepare for their restaurant relaunch. And she says what happened was deplorable, but she's just focused on her girls. Robin FaceTimes her and says, oh, I'm so tired. Like, Robin, what doesn't make you tired? How watching other people fight make you exhausted? She said that she was looking at... (laughs) She said she was looking at Monique's eyes during the fight. It was like the devil had possessed her. And, you know, they say Candace is annoying as hell and she has a mouth on her, but to get physical, like, I just can't take Monique's side with that, which Robin gets 
like 20 seconds of uh, audio released on every episode, but she always gets it right. And I don't remember Robin being like this before. I don't, I've always liked Robin, and it's interesting because she's so, she, so boring. Yeah. And on any other franchise, like the the boring person, like the Teddy, the Cynthia, they give me nothing, but I think Robin gives just enough. She shows up late to everything, but everyone's really excited when she gets there. Yeah. She throws her two cents in every 10 minutes on an episode. You get 10 seconds from her. And it's awesome. That's the kind of housewife I want to be. Like, all I got to talk, like, I can just sit at home on the FaceTime and say correct shit. And I'm getting paid just as much as anybody else. Like, did we visit her at all the whole episode? No. (laughs) (laughs) No. No, not at all. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) And that was literally, that's the end of what we see Robin for the rest of the episode. That is so funny. Um, So, white, brown dick Chris... They're she's at Candace's house and they're like this is this is what you get from a white man he makes you some tea he puts on like a really comfortable cable knit sweater asks if you need to go to the hospital or if you have a concussion and just wants to talk about what's happening um can, did you appreciate that Candace didn't over dramatize it I was shocked I was I was really thinking we were gonna get her in a neck brace and crutches. <laughs> crutches. Uh arm in a sling. Like I yeah. I, I really I'm appreciated trying. that from her. I was like, okay, this is this is not what I was expecting. A real turn of events where Chris is asking if she needs to go to the hospital. She's like, no, it's not. She, no, she said, no, I'm fine. Yeah. I was shocked. <laughs> If it would have been me, I would have been in the neck brace. Right. Ow. Made up in bed. (laughs) (laughs) Owie. Um, Making him give me, like, sponge baths and, like, carry me to the bathroom. I can't go on my own. Limping. Uh, She says she woke up in a panic, though. And she says, I want nothing to do with Monique ever again. And we do get a flashback. And I appreciate them for doing of Candace apologizing for bringing Cherise or inviting Cherise to her um, Denim and Diamonds anniversary party and apologizing for taking Ashley aside to tell Ashley what ha- was going on, which is completely reasonable thing to do. And, you know, she's like, at this point, I've apologized to her multiple times and there's nothing for me to say to her. And I like that she, that we were reminded of that because I have very short-term memory. And I'm like, oh yeah, Candace did apologize about Sharice already. Like, I forgot about that. Me too. And also when you see it all together, you're like, oh, well, Monique really has no case here. Right. And these were like genuine apologies. She wasn't being shady. She expressly said what she was apologizing for, and there's no debate. There's no debate debating what she what she did. She did her due diligence. 
And if Monique really f- still felt that type, some type of way about it, she should have had a one-on-one conversation with Candace. But she didn't want to do that. She's been shitty to her this whole time. So I'm I'm on Team Candace with this, and I hate to hate to be here, but it's the right place to be. It is. <laughs> so we go over to Karen and Ray's house. It's Ray's birthday, and Karen has a chef come over to cook him dinner, and she's working overtime to try and fix this relationship. And and I Ray- don't want to see it. Like, I truly just don't <laughs> want to see it. It's... I... This is something that we've seen on all Housewives franchises. Tale of old as time. She was married to a successful man. She got on the show. She got her own money. She got her own fame and attention. And he doesn't like it. And it's like, I don't... I've been through this before. I don't... Not not that I don't care, because I feel for her. Because obviously she's very hurt by it. But it's also like, Ray, you were... 97 years old like grow up grow up and that's the problem for me like it's a stale storyline like I of course I really feel for Karen like she's one of my favorites but I don't want to see it from a man in his late hundreds you know what I mean like (laughs) and he looks older every episode I'm just like oh god every time I look at him it's like damn he's a true ancestor he (sighs) Karen is trying to like raise opposed to therapy. So Karen suggests a life coach. Because most men in their late 90s are opposed to therapy. You know <laughs> what I mean? Especially a black man, duh. Like, <laughs> no surprise there. Right. So Ray's like, I'm trying to understand what the difference is between a life coach and a therapist. Cause it sounds like the same. She's like, Don't don't worry about that. They're already coming over. So she was in invited to her high school homecoming but she now is like unsure of what to do because she's friends with Candace and Monique and now she's like I kind of feel like it was both their fault they both participated in this fight and I don't really know what to do with it um Ray they start talking about Ashley and Michael and Karen's like well Ashley also talked about what was going on with her and she said you know we all wanted to know if Michael hit it and she said that he didn't and Ray's like well what was Michael doing in that room then if they weren't having sex and did you hear Karen cackle (laughs) she was like (laughs) (laughs) and then Ray asked the question we've all been wondering like so did he confess to liking men Because how do you admit to going in a room to have sex with a woman and you can't do it? So what is the truth here? And it's like, why are you confessing stuff? Because what about all the gay stuff from last season? Right. We're just going to pretend that didn't happen? Where do we land on that? The confessions are getting so convoluted. Like, your husband said he has a, a boyfriend and a wife. Here goes Ashley. Um, we had a threesome with a woman. Okay, what does that have to do with the girlfriend, the boyfriend, what? and the wife? <laughs> and what does that have to do with him posted up at the MGM with his boxers on? Like, you 
getting horny at a David Guetta concert has nothing to do with what he just did and why they're all on the blogs. Like, a consensual threesome is not what we're talking about here, Ashley. But just convoluted confessions. Just <laughs> She tried hard to pivot that conversation and nobody was having it. Poor thing. Poor thing. <laughs> um, so was it tr- she tried to say, well, I started it? Like, where, where was she going with that? Right. That she put a lot of responsibility on herself and I just like am wondering why she's trying to protect Michael so much. I think she's trying to make it look like y'all don't feel sorry for me. I get to cheat too. Uh, okay. <laughs> like, I'm not saying I agree with it <laughs> I think that's where she's going it's like she doesn't want to look like a victim in this all <laughs> like, right. like she has some agency but it's like everybody knew that you were bisexual everybody this is no surprise the surprise is like is he gay Do you, or bisexual do you know that why is he out here telling people that he's got a boyfriend and a wife why is he out here, you know, like, th- when she tried to act like Michael got baited by those strippers, it was like, Ashley, he... Why were his pants off? Thank you. How are you getting <laughs> so drunk that you could take all your clothes off except for your underwear, but your boxers, and then you just pass out? Come on. Quit playing with me. Ugh. Uh, a throwaway scene of Giselle and her, the girls going to the hotel room. And basically, she's just saying, like, I, we're meeting up with my dad, and I just got to tell him about Jamal and I getting back together before the blogs put it out. Right. Um, so then we're back to Monique's house. T'Challa got no lines. He couldn't defend. He couldn't. He couldn't even defend his mom this week. Um. Monique is washing Milani's hair. Chris comes in. He says, you know, it's, uh, he's disappointed and it's ridiculous to be fighting because he likes Chris and Candace <laughs> and it's not a good look for them. And Monique tries to say, like, oh, well, my mom, you know, like, I, she taught me to defend, like, don't start the fight, but if people get in your face and threaten you, that you should, like, Put your foot on their foot. Yeah. Grab their hair. But you did exactly what your mom told you not to do. You started the fight. Exactly. Sweetie. (laughs) Exactly. There were conversations about Chris's reaction towards this whole thing, especially in this scene. I think people thought that Chris should not have mentioned... Like, he should have been maybe more supportive of Monique, and he shouldn't have mentioned how much he liked Chris and Candace. What do you think about that? No, I think when you're wrong, you're wrong. <laughs> like, I think it's... Like, just because that's his wife, he's not supposed to pretend that he does it not like them. You know what I mean? I, I don't see that as... Yeah. If it was maybe in the moment, like the day of the fight, maybe don't bring it up. But after the fact, I don't see a problem with it. Yeah. I, I feel like he wasn't like forceful enough with telling her she was wrong, right? Like you could tell he very much did not agree with what she was saying. Like even from the car, like when he had said like, this is embarrassing, 
You know what I mean? Like, he's not in support of this. And I feel like he needed somebody in Monique's life, Lisa, to take her aside and be like, girl, you are wrong. Yeah. And I think he did the right thing by, you know, this is a conversation that they had privately. Like, you're right. If the, if this was like, if he was there and they were amongst company, then this was mm-hmm. bringing up Candace and Chris should not have been something. But this was a private conversation between husband and wife at home and on the phone. And I think he, like, you can't just blindly support your partner when they're dead wrong. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, the whole point of you guys being a partnership is being able to hold each other accountable for your actions and being able to have that room to tell them kindly when they're wrong. Right. So I, I thought know. it was interesting that she was defending herself through this fight while her daughter was there. It's not like she's a baby. No. Like, no. I thought that that was weird. Like, is this the conversation you should be having around her? And Milani, like, well, she's like two or three. Like, she seems like a smart kid. A kid right. that's going to go to somebody else and repeat what mommy said. <laughs> so I wouldn't be playing that. I would not. I just cannot believe how Monique is refusing to take even a shred of accountability. She doesn't even care that Chris is trying to help her out. And I think that speaks more to their relationship than she would like to admit. Like, this season, more than ever, it seems like the cracks are showing. And the fact that she couldn't even, like, take that in, what he was saying, and she was still being so defensive, it it was just very telling to me. It also was, remember, her image mattered to her when Ashley was bringing up the drive it, like, that she pulled possibly was drunk when she was driving she made such a big deal about how she's on charity boards and it doesn't look good if she looks like she was drinking and driving right and then now you've done this thing on camera right it's not hearsay now and you don't feel even like a shred of hey maybe let me cover this up a little bit let me pretend to be sorry Mm mm-hmm because everyone could kind of get behind you. Like, had she come out of that situation, we still would have thought she was dead wrong in the situation. But had she come out and been like, you know what? Like, Sharice was trying to say some really damaging things about my family. And... Yeah. I was so triggered by Candace's relationship with her. I acted out of control. I apologized. It was uncalled for. Moving on. Right? Like, I think Giselle mm-hmm. and them still would have been going on there. You set black women back to 400 years. Right. Yes. But, like, everyone else, like, the audience could get behind Monique because we genuinely like Monique, you know? But yeah. this is, like, all the doubling down. I'm like, you're making it impossible for us. She's kind of like Dorinda in that way. It's like, now you're being indefensible because there's no sort of introspection happening at all. Like... You can't even admit, you're so intent on admitting that you were right, that now you're just lying (laughs) to make it seem like there was some sort of reason for you to get to this point. And there just wasn't. And the lies aren't even enough. Like you saying that she hit you with the glass first. Okay, so then why did you keep running, running after her after the fact? Right. You did so much. And like, I just don't understand the doubling down. and to still be doing it on Twitter yeah. yesterday is wild. Yeah. I, oh, yeah, that was wild. Um, mm, 
Is that? I mean, I feel like that was like most of what we saw about the fights uh, for the rest of the episode. Do you have any like other thoughts about like where does Monique does Monique get another season out of this? And this is like with the whole doubling down of it all. I think no. Yeah, I think she's made it really hard for herself. She could have had she been just apologetic about it. Mm-hmm. And I thought at least, like, I was really surprised to see her tweets yesterday. Because I'm like, has no one at Bravo had a conversation with you? Or is Monique just someone who, like, you cannot get through to? It seems that way. It seems like she does not think that she does anything wrong ever. And that's sad. That's not and a it's like, I guess maybe, like, she doesn't need the money from the show. But for someone who has made a big stink about, like, not having anything of her own. And, right. like, you know what I mean? Her husband, like, because he's the star. For you to fumble this opportunity in this way is, I don't get it. I don't get it either. And I think it's worth mentioning that if you want to have a podcast called Not For Lazy Moms, um you maybe should have updated it in the past year. Right. <laughs> just just putting that After out. After spending $200,000 on it. Ooh, girl. Girl, she is If literally- I could see an itemized, bit, like, just itemized <laughs> list of what she spent $200,000 on. Thank you. Like, did you pay somebody $195,000 for their work? Because other than that, I don't know what you're doing. She's literally, her last episode was September 27th, 2019. So it's been 30 days. Not for lazy moms wasn't already taken. So maybe she had to spend a lot like buying back the name from someone. <laughs> I, I really like, I want to see the receipts for sure. For sure. I'm just so disappointed in her. Like, I really liked Monique just because Chris is, he's one of my favorite house husbands. Mm-hmm. I like her cute little kids. Like, they're so cute. They're adorable. I just hate that she did this because I, I really don't see how she gets another season. I don't either. I mean, she's a liability at this point, And I, I don't know. But she started off real strong with the defense in the beginning of the season. Like, everybody was truly Team Monique and good on her for taking advantage of that. I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't think it goes anywhere at this point. But she started off strong. She gave us (laughs) T'Challa. It was a good start. A good effort on her beginning. Now poor T'Challa's out of a job. No. (laughs) Even T'Challa can't hold a little tiny champagne glass next season thing <laughs> um so then we get Giselle and the girls are back in Atlanta um they go and get donuts with her dad and she's like oh dad Jamal bought them a restaurant he's like okay <laughs> he is not having it and the girls go to the bathroom and Giselle takes this moment to tell her dad that she and Jamal are trying to get the family back together and I understand that you might have ill feelings about the situation. I get it, but this is my choice. This is what I'm going to do. And I feel like I didn't know this, that Jamal had cheated on her when they were engaged. And 
her dad was so pissed off that he didn't even go to the wedding. I was shocked by that. I was like, damn, he wasn't even at the first wedding. Okay. Messy. So. So, like, at no point did they have a good relationship. Not at any point. (laughs) Not at any point. How are you? Oh, cheated on you when you were engaged. You decided to get married. And then he cheats on you repeatedly again. I mean, Tom and Katie at Vanderpump should have taken a lesson from Jamal and 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 Giselle. Her dad <sighs> keeps it real cute because he does not later on. But he was like, oh, I'm never going to get in the way of what you want. And if it makes you and the girls happy, then I'm all for it. And I will walk you down the aisle next time. Like, okay. Okay, we're going to table that for later. (laughs) What comes later? So then we get Ashley at home. And she's like, in a dramatic turn of events, the attention is completely off of me and Michael. And it's now shifted to Monique and Candace. And then we see a flashback. Which was very honest. She said, and she mentioned his infidelity. Like, she didn't even say the situation. She said Michael's infidelity. Yeah. Mm. Which. Uh, is, is it a. I feel like she kind of told on herself, though, too, because. Does it count as infidelity if he. And I'm putting. I'm using air quotes here. Just went to sleep, went up to the hotel and went to sleep. Or like, would you count that as an infidelity if he didn't technically do anything well i'm crazy i count like him liking a girl's <laughs> picture as infidelity but <laughs> uh, um, so then we gonna... but yeah like i get what you're saying if like if you've stressed the fact that he didn't actually have sex like maybe you shouldn't call it infidelity yeah yeah mm. so we get a flashback of her in the barn where she was telling the girls that she was 60 percent into the marriage but 40 percent out and that if Michael does decide that he's not willing to change, that she and Dean will hightail it out of that apartment so fast that he will smell their dust. Okay. Well, that's a lot of big talk, Ashley. A lot of big talk. <laughs> I don't Too think big. it's going to happen. So then, because then immediately after that, she tells Michael, like, oh, we both contributed to where our relationship is now. And it's like, okay, well, what did you do? She's trying big- so hard to make it look like I cheat too don't feel sorry for me which is a, again I think it's a really weird direction to try to go in like if we're spinning narratives like I don't think that I would ever be like well let me look like the bad guy as well so right because it's, it's important for her to not look like a victim I guess which only speaks to like how much of a victim she must really feel like Right. If the only example of like her contributing to where their relationship is, is that she is bisexual and and invited women into their sexual relationship, that doesn't count. I don't think it was even women from what it sounds like. It was that one woman more than once, but like, and if that's the case, like it was a threesome. So they both had sex with her. So like, I don't see how that's her contributing in any way. I I don't either. 
I, I have it's no a real reach. The mental gymnastics to try to make that make sense, like Simone Biles level Ugh. of mental gymnastics here. Um, so then Ashley, Michael says he wasn't disciplined in their relationship, but he will be now. Okay. Ashley then brings up a post-nup in the event that this happens again. And Michael says, well, we can look at that. And she, so their second, their first post-nup or their, so they had a prenup. And then two seasons ago, after she left the house and they got back together, they did another a revision of the prenup, or was that a post-nup number one? I'm not sure. I remember them calling it a post-nup. Okay. So post-nup number one was her... This is the one that got her the baby. Got her the baby and got her 50% of their assets in the event of their divorce. So now she's saying that the second post-nup, she hasn't quite figured out, but it will guarantee more things for her and Dean in the event that they break up. And this will make the divorce a lot smoother and a lot faster. Okay. The inevitable divorce. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I just, it's so hard for me to understand like the, the renegotiating of this marriage every couple years is beyond like I just it is so hard for me to understand how we're after they read like you sit down you put pen to paper like I know that like prenups like I'm Nigerian we don't do those so like I can't really relate but like I've seen like couples it's like such a tense situation yeah like I don't see how like after you've now both gotten your lawyers every couple of years you guys keep going back to like renegotiating things how you like come back in bed and are like romantic again. Like it's so weird to me. Yeah, exactly. And like I said last week, like after you play the hell out of me multiple times, like how do you let that man inside of you again? Like he played her messy. And we keep drafting up contracts. So you stop cheating. Like that is weird. It's weird. It's weird for me. I don't get it. And and yeah, and at that point it's like, okay, well, your relationship is just a business relationship at this point. And if I don't, it's about the money, just say that. Well, honestly, I feel like she's saying it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's saying it in like the, the most clear terms you could really without saying like I'm just here for the money. Yeah. Yeah. And now she's guaranteed herself like at least more in child support with the second child. Right. And at this point, from Michael's standpoint, is it like it's a cheaper, che- cheaper to keeper situation? Because I feel like it's not. And not at this point. Now, with all those drafts you guys have made, just just end it. <laughs> like, I don't know. Um, and that's why I'm not understanding why she's still there. Right. Like, I think that maybe she sat back and looked at it and like the first child. Maybe there was some like thing about infidelity in the first posted up. Mm-hmm. And that threesome maybe counted as infidelity, so she can't get like that null like nullified it. So then the first child maybe is like she can't secure herself enough to maintain her standard of living with just one child. But I think after two, like she should be able to live off two child support checks from him. You would think. You would think. I would at least be like 
I need a home. I need guaranteed private school for these children. I something I don't. Mm. It actually still wears like Forever Twenty One, so I don't know. Like it's not like she's living this super glamorous lifestyle, right? She's not out here in Fendi capes like Karen is, right? Well, like mm. I don't think I've seen her in a shredded designer. No, not even a purse. She's living quite modestly, so I, I don't understand. Like this needing to stay with this man for the money is really hard for me to understand. It, it's confusing for me too, really. Oh, Lord, um, how long after the baby do you think they'll break up? Two years? I don't know if they can make it. At this point, I think his little cheating things that give her a good storyline, and I just, yeah, she's like, so checked out. Like maybe they'll until she's while she's still on the show. I don't see an incentive for her to necessarily divorce him. Yeah. What do you think? Where do you think her head is at? And where do you think his head is at now? Like, what's in it for him at this point? That's what I'm not understanding. Because I see for her, I'm just like, this gives her a storyline. She doesn't seem to particularly care. It's not that upsetting. And she's not embarrassed. Right? For me, like, the biggest thing would be like, this is just so embarrassing. I have to leave you. But she is rolling right off her back. So... I get why she's still there. I just don't see the incentive for him. Me either. Because really, I think it is that like Ashley doesn't spend that much money. Like ask his wife and like having to cut her a check of half of everything he owns is like. Right. Yeah. I think that's it. Like she just doesn't really spend a lot of money as his wife. So it's just really cheap to maintain the relationship. And she requires nothing of him. Clearly. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> like, every time they talk to each other, they're like, I haven't seen you in a while. Yeah. Like, don't you get together? <laughs> right. I'm, I'm confusion. The more I think about it, the more confused I am. <laughs> it, it's He's very like, the baby's been, he hasn't been sleeping through the night, so I've been really tired. He's like, I know a little bit about that, but you probably know more. We haven't seen each other in a while. Like, huh? Like, are you guys sharing the same bedroom together? I don't know. I don't know. So, back to Atlanta. Everybody, the girls are doing a walkthrough of the restaurant. And in a talking head, a producer asked uh, Giselle, how many kids does Jamal have? And Giselle's like, you know what? I decided not to discuss that because it's not fair to them or their moms. Okay. So everybody was like, I looked, literally looked, I typed in Jamal Bryant and the first search topic was kids, children. Same. (laughs) (laughs) So apparently he only has two outside of his. Which is shocking, right? Yeah. Well, because there was a rumor last season that he had another kid with somebody at his church. I thought that was confirmed. Well, Giselle denies it okay so i don't know if that i think there might be a lot of like nda situations Mm -hmm. because even prior to knowing who giselle was i remember like jamal bryant constantly being in the blogs for having baby mamas in the church like so it can't just only be two right 
So the two, and these were only two that were like, that makes sense. Because one of them is like 22, a girl. And that would have obviously been before she and Mm -hmm. Jamal were together. And one is a five-year-old son, which makes sense. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't add up to me that he did not have any children either within the time of their marriage or shortly thereafter. That doesn't it's just matter. like he he was so rich and sloppy. I don't see a woman not like trying to come up off a check and like none of the women you slept with tried to get pregnant. It's just hard for me to believe. And he, I mean, he's been linked to who? Phaedra. Yeah, he's Mister Chocolate. Mister Chocolate, um, Tweet the singer. Hmm. Uh, I can't remember who else. I feel like there were other people. I, and I'm like, sir, you're not, like, have you seen you? (laughs) You're not Not really in the slightest. At all. Those ridiculous suits. But the money is, the money is long. I guess. He seems like he's a good 5'7", five, 5'6", five, which is fine until you act a coconut, which is what's happening. I, I don't know. I don't know. So that was basically it with them. We go back to them later. So Karen invites this relationship expert, radio personality named Angela over and she starts by asking Karen and Ray like what their level of intimacy is Ray says Mm. that things are different and that there was a time when it would just take the wind blowing to get him ready to go and it's not like a hurricane now but he does need a little bit more effort which was entirely too much information Again, I do not want to know his business. <laughs> At all. At all. Angela asks them what their issues are with each other, like their biggest issues. Karen says he snores too loud. She can't get any sleep. Ray says that she's too focused on Ladam and not enough on him and that he wants more attention from her and for her to cook more because she stopped after the kids left and... You know, okay, right. Karen seems to have actual things to say about their relationship. Mm-hmm. And says, you know, I feel like he stopped dating me and he stopped planting the love seed. Her love tank is empty. He is not showing her that he really cares about her and he's passionate for her. And she's a woman who needs to know that her man is in love with her and he's not doing that. And She then says, like, you know, I know that I'm in love with him because I can't imagine my life without her. And Ray says, well, I don't think about being without you, which is not the same thing. And then he says, I think I'm in love. And I knew it at one point, but I just don't really feel like it did 20 years ago, which he was being real careful in saying that. but. Eventually, he ended up telling on himself and basically said, like, I don't, I'm not really feeling it, basically. 
Like this is like part of why I hate watching their relationship because it's like nobody's necessarily wrong here. It's there's no one I'm not like rooting against anyone. Yeah. And I think that their relationship might have just like run its course. Like, I don't think Karen, when she decided to marry a man who was 20 years older than her, knew what she was getting herself into. Right. Right? Like, now you're in the later stage of his life where he wanted to move to Florida. Okay? Like, the man is old. He can't take the winters anymore. (laughs) Not good for his bones. Not Like, he's trying to be in, like, a retirement community somewhere in Florida. And, like, she's getting her second wind. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, she's still looking very hot. I'm sure getting a lot of attention from men outside. Like, she's cute. Like. Yeah. I agree. And her man is just, like, you can't expect an 80-year-old man to, like, have the energy to be taking you on dates and courting you. Like, he wants to go to bed at 7. Right. Like, he wants to do golf. He wants to play his nine holes during the day and then come home to, like, you make it a pot roast. And then maybe they'll watch, like, some Matlock and then keep it cute until about 9 o'clock, have a glass of scotch, and then go back to bed. She is in the prime of her life in so many ways, especially because of the show. And, yeah, he probably doesn't want to sit, stand in front of, like, a step and repeat and, you know, like, do those sorts of things that she is just now getting her second wind on like mm, it just doesn't add up like my dad is like 74 and his best friend who's like like a year older than him just married a 36 year old okay wild and he was just like over here telling my dad how he's like he's just so exhausted and right? my dad is like duh yeah married a 36 year old she's like she always wants to be out she wants to go to dinners Right. Duh. Like, they're just, they're not in the same place in their life. Like, I think it's, it's sad, but I think it's done. Unless, I wish Karen would just, like, accept a little bit of, like, he's old. You married an old man. Have a talk with Erica Jane about how to navigate this, you know? Right. (laughs) They're basically in the same place in their lives. Like, you know, she wants to be pussy popping. Like, do you think Erica Jane, like, has a boyfriend? I mean, I hope so. Because that's the only part where I'm, like, I see that Erica Jane is, like, she's sat, like, there's the money. But, like, I do wonder, like, where she gets the companionship from. Because she doesn't seem, like, she's not complaining. And she doesn't seem like she, like, needs more from Tom than he's able to give. Like, she's very content with that. And I wonder if it's that or she has, she's servicing herself elsewhere. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues 
your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. If I was in her situation and I looked like her, I would have some, like, hot 35-year-old, maybe a 40-year-old, like, somebody slightly younger who was just, like, getting my rocks off. And, well, maybe you know, not even – I think she'd have to go really young because a 40-something-year-old is going to want too much from you. Like, she is still married. Like, her. maybe, like, just, like, a 26-year-old who's ready to just, like – have sex with her and go. True. True. And I love that. I for wish her. Karen would do that. <laughs> and I think like, I think, um, he would, I think he would look the other way. I think he would too. And it's like, I kind of wish that Karen would just be like, listen, sir, you're not getting anybody hotter than me. So maybe you should be a little bit more appreciative. <laughs> like, if we want to play this game, if you don't know that you're in love with me or whatever, you just need to at least appreciate what I'm bringing to the table here. Because at most, you're going to get, like, I don't even know what he, I don't know what Ray could get after Karen. The problem is I don't think that he cares. Like, you get to a certain age and, like, I don't think that he's in the place in his life where he cares what his wife really looks like. Right, like the things, like he's being very explicit about his needs, right? He's like, well, I just need someone who's going to cook for me. He wants to be taken care of. He's old. Like, he's really old. (laughs) Karen pretending that they're having sex is a joke. It is a joke. Nothing is happening there sexually. No. No. Like, I don't think that he cares what Karen looks like. And I wish that she would just, if she was just more... uh, realistic about her expectations from him and i think prior to the show it probably worked for them right like but now it's like she wants him to come like do you remember when they have the party and he like you see him just like slowly (laughs) walking up those stairs to go (laughs) to go to bed like he's too old for this (laughs) probably a lot of effort to walk up all those stairs too honestly um Goodness. He wants a master bedroom on the ground floor somewhere right. in Florida. Right. <laughs> oh my gosh. So Angela ends up leaving and she's like, you know what? This was like a punch in the gut for me. And I didn't expect Ray to say that. And Ray's like, oh, well, you're different than the person I fell in love with. And Karen was like, of course I am. It's been 20 years since we've been together. Like, Duh. And she takes her shoes off. She goes upstairs, goes into the closet, asks to take her mic off, starts crying. And so she can't breathe. And I just, I felt for her. I really did. I really felt bad for her. But then I started thinking about, I'm like, but this is elder abuse. You can't go, you can't (laughs) go up there looking all sad, like, like, talking about you can't breathe. If he hears that, he might have a heart attack. (laughs) No more stress on his heart than he's already gotten. 
<laughs> so we end the episode with the Bryants all going to the relaunch of their restaurant. Um, I don't, what's their names? Adore? No, Angel and Adore the twins. What's the older uh, one? Grace. Grace. There we go. She cuts the ribbon and then the girls kind of like separate to go do their different jobs. They all come back for dessert as a family and it's like keeping it cute a little bit. Then the girls leave again and Giselle is clearly trying to navigate her dad and Jamal. Jamal's not really seeming like he's trying to impress her dad at all. And he's sitting there like low in the booth like a fuckboy. Her dad's like, you know what? I have to go to the bathroom. And then it quickly was like, get this mic off of me. I'm not playing this game. He has six or seven baby mamas. And I have to think twice about this kind of stuff. This is not a good move for Giselle. I'm done. I'm not Mm -hmm. doing it. I'm sick of it. And that's the end of the episode. Did you watch her... um, her show with Portia and Kate from Below Deck and Hannah from... No, was it good? I got to about 17 minutes in, and it was fine, but it was like... Giselle and Portia hanging out with like their very much younger cousins. Like It just felt like two different leagues of people like Portia. I think Hannah seems very misplaced there. And I think the world agrees <laughs> from what I've seen. The world like, agrees. I don't know how how did she get on that? I guess they I, needed another white girl and there wasn't like another she was like the sassiest white girl they could think of. I'm like trying to think who else could have gone in that place. I honestly wonder if that was gonna go to Saucy and then they had to find a replacement. Like, I think, like, Hannah, because I know that she has a lot of hot takes on Twitter and, like, her tweets do, uh, I see them a lot from white girls reposting them on Instagram. (laughs) But I just, it's so misplaced. Like, Kate, I can kind of see it working a little bit better. Like, Kate's old, too, but the Hannah just made no sense to me. I'm like, in what world are Hannah and Giselle having a conversation? Exactly, (laughs) exactly, exactly. Giselle and Portia played off really well from each other. Like, obviously, Portia's got her, like, Dish Nation. Like, she's really good on TV. Giselle's really, like, her personality shines through. I don't watch Below Deck, so I don't know anything about Kate, but I know that people tend to like her. Mm-hmm. She wasn't it for me either. And Hannah was basically a flop. She said one good thing about Stassi being on Tamron Hall and said, you know, like, we is... It was crazy to me that Saucy was saying that she had learned and that she was not learning because we as white women are always in a position of learning and you can't just say like, oh, I get it now because that sounds wild <laughs> coming right. out of your That was really Saucy only- said, I can speak to BLM issues. Now right. Tamara was like, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Dog. Uh, but... <sighs> The point I was going to make is that they played that clip of her dad in the hot mic moment. And Giselle said, basically, she kind of cleaned it up. She made it real cute and was like, oh, everything's fine. Like, 
he feels his feelings and she didn't really answer the question because how do you I don't really know how one would come back from that your dad saying things that he did (laughs) I mean, he wasn't wrong, though. Like, what can she really say about that? Like, her own children are against this relationship, and that's their father, you know? Right. And I just have to say something. I'm, like, highly, like, they're highly attracted to Giselle's dad. I don't know what that's about. But there's something there. Something. I think in his heyday, he was a bit of a Jamal. There's, like, like, a sexual... Confidence yeah. using off that old man. <laughs> he does. He does. He does have a, an air about him. You're right. You're right. Oh my god. Um, what should we talk about Tamron and, and Sassy a little bit? Please. Did you... Yes. So... Thank you for sending it to me. <laughs> so for those of you guys who weren't able to watch, they did release the full interview on Tam- the Tamron Hall Show's YouTube channel. Um, Tamron, I love that they did this. Obviously, a lot of people were looking for that footage because they wanted to see what exactly went on, especially since that article came out about Stasi saying that she felt like Tamron went rogue and that she was so uncomfortable and Stasi's used to being so like funny and she wasn't able to do that, poor thing. When talking about race and how she's a racist, she wasn't able right. to be humorous. Um, and so Tamron posted a clip of her rebuttal to that article and said, she basically like opened the curtain on what happened behind the scenes. She said, I even wanted to talk about that Me Too stuff that Saucy had addressed on her podcast, saying like, women shouldn't go into hotel rooms with men and like just being really gross. The title of the episode was, are we on a male witch hunt? And this was about me. So awful. Are those episodes still up? They're not up because she doesn't have a podcast anymore, but I'm sure if you looked on Reddit, you could find everything that you're looking for. (laughs) It's like unbelievably awful. Awful. So, like, I can't be a feminist because I love my brother so much. Oh my God. <laughs> Girl. Girl. Um, so Tamron says she wanted to talk about that Me Too podcast, but they she chose not to because she was asked not to. She's like, you know what? There were plenty of other material for us to talk about. So I just kept it to the race stuff. Um, and, and she did say because she heard being five months pregnant. Yeah. And she didn't want to put more stress on the situation. Which irritates me. As someone who is seven months pregnant, it's really frustrating because I'm like, I still have to see racist things, right? Like things I'm not being caught. The the world isn't coddling me because I'm pregnant, you know? Right. Right. Exactly. And I, I don't love it. I've never been pregnant. But thank you for saying that (laughs) because it gives some credence. As somebody who's actively gestating right now, thank you for saying that. Um, I I like that she said, yeah, like, we don't feed her the specific questions that we're going to ask her, but she knew what the tone of the interview was going to be. So, and if she was so adamant about saying, like, I don't want to be seen as a victim, I don't see myself as a victim, then, like, 
how do you have people like she I, there's nothing in my mind that tells me that she didn't know about this article coming out like there's right. no way us weekly is basically like here's what people from the bachelor ate for lunch today here's what stassi walked to it, and here's like, maria menudo's doing yoga right? Here's the timeline of a relationship of people who just broke up. Here's the latest from Vanderpump Rules. Here's the latest from The Bachelor. Like, that's all you basically get out of Us Weekly. So, clearly, they have a close relationship. So shitty. Uh, I was just, like, so impressed by Tamron's, like, ability to, like, surprised and impressed that she really did hold Stassi's feet to the fire. Like, she was not playing with her at all so i do see like in stassi's mind how like she left that being like oh my god she went rogue right because the accountability was real right like everything stassi said she was like well you, you grew up in new orleans so i find it hard to believe that you just were so ignorant <laughs> like she was not mincing words she was like new orleans is very diverse and la is very diverse stassi yeah. how were you so ignorant how did we get here? And she even said at one point, like, you've obviously created an environment for yourself in which the things that you have said have been okay. So how are you going to fix that? Basically, like, your friends suck. Your family sucks. So how are you going to change the narrative around that? Because you've clearly been coddled into thinking that the things that you're saying are okay and entertaining and good and right, more importantly. So right. how are you going to change that? So uh, uh, I loved I, her asking her about her to her classes. So she's like, so how does one find a diversity and inclusion teacher? She's like, is it, is it over Zoom? Do you meet every day? Is right. it once a week? How does that work? Oh, my God. So she's like, Give me an example of some of the homework you've had. Like, she was really. <laughs> <laughs> that killed me. I, I really enjoyed it. I did, too. I really did, too. I, oh my gosh, what, what, where, I mean, clearly Stassi thought that this was going to be, like, stop one on her comeback tour. Where can Stassi go other than Fox News at this point? Sadly, I think she could go back to Bravo. Like, the problem is, I saw so much commentary from, like, the people who like Stassi are going to continue to like Stassi, and I saw so many people be like, Saying Stassi did a good job after that interview, like, and how dare Tamron go after her like that? Which and they're like, well, she said she's sorry, right? You know, like, which oh I love that Tamron's able to just expose like she hasn't learned much. Like, what are you even saying here? Yeah, she cleared her, and I appreciate her for doing that. And I hope that all those little Khaleesi's and Stassi stands saw that. Not not that it's really going to matter, but I hope that it did. Like, I love how she didn't feel any pressure to concede to anything Stassi said. Yeah. Like, she was just like, no, girl, that's not it. Yeah. Oh, Lord. Now, well, what about the Nazi sheik? Because what, what about Nazis are chic to you? Like. <laughs> <laughs> What happened in your private school education? <laughs> you not hear about World War II, girl. Like, how is that possible? 
How is that possible? So she stops and like, well, I thought it was just like a funny joke. And she's like, Nazi's funny. Nazi <laughs> looked like such an idiot. So and I appreciated dumb. it. So dumb. Because she oh. thought it was going to be like on Watch What Happens Live when Andy's like, well, people are saying you're racist. What do you have to say about that? And she's like, well, I'm not. Yeah. Oh, okay. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Sandra was holding those feet to the fire. <laughs> oh, you love to see it. When she asked her about Jax, if Jax should be oh. fired, and she's like, I yeah. don't want to see any of my friends fired. Okay. <laughs> Shout out to Jackson Brittany for having a boy, by the way. I guess. Ugh, awful. <laughs> it just makes me mad because I know how upset Jax would have been if he was having a girl. Right. Right. And I hate that we were deprived of that. <laughs> I also I... just hate Brittany so much. Like how excited she was at that gender reveal is just so disgusting. Like, read the room, y'all. Read the room. Read anything. Read anything at all. <laughs> like, I cannot believe that people are having gender reveals right now in 2020. Like, after one just started a massive fire, the lady who started gender reveals has come out and told you how problematic it is. Like, why are you guys still doing them? Right. The massive fire in your home state of California, y'all. Like, come on. I... Uh... They're the worst. In you- California and then having, like, was Billy at Lala's? Oh, I don't know. Because I'm like, what is that like to be a trans person invited to a gender reveal? Thank you. Can't feel great. Right. Um, do you see Vanderpump coming back? Yeah. Like, I think it's going to be, like, some baby iteration of it. Uh, I don't know. Like Pump Valley. <laughs> Valley Village rules. Yeah. Except uh, baby doesn't have a baby because it'll balance it out. Yeah. Oh, well. Katie. No, I'm not even going to get started on Katie. Um, <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for coming on and talking to me about this. Do you want people to find you anywhere and where should they find you? Um, I do have a podcast that I've been kind of on my Katie Malone tip about. <laughs> <laughs> I promise to relaunch after I have this baby. Um, I mean, actually, I don't know how hard it is to have a baby. I know nothing about them. So um, for now, you can find me at fly.chai, F-L-Y dot C-H-Y. Um, and on Twitter, it's F-L-Y-C-H-Y. Perfect. You're a treat, a real dream. Thank you so much again. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. Uh, you have a good day, girl. You too. Bye. <laughs>